Hey there, and welcome to Church of the Beloved's weekly sermon podcast. My name is Kevin Zoe, and I serve on staff as the production manager here at COTV. This week's message is brought to us by Pastor Abe Lee. He is preaching from Psalm 14. Once again, good morning. Uh, my name is Abe. I serve here as pastor at Church of the Beloved. It's my joy and privilege, and if you're new, welcome. Now, over the past few months, we've been uh, going through select chapters from the book of Psalms. I've mentioned this before, let me say it again. Uh, I like to repeat myself, but the Psalms are an anthology, a collection of 150 poems or songs that were written and collected over uh, a few centuries. Uh, These are songs about wisdom, about justice, about salvation, about redemption. Now, last week, we looked at chapter 19, Psalm 19. And I talked about how I believe it's a proclamation. Uh, Psalm 19 tells us that the works of God with the word of God reveals God. And, and, and this psalm shows us that the beloved of God uh, are able to fight for our love of God through prayer. Through prayer for God's forgiveness, for God's power, prayer for God's transformation. Today, uh, in our psalm, we're going to be considering what it means to pray for something else. Specifically, wisdom. To pray what it means to pray to be wise. Okay. Uh, as I was thinking about this, I don't know if this is true for y'all here. Um, one thing I depend on when it comes to listening to music, no matter what streaming service you use, whether it's Spotify, I use Prime because I'm cheap. Uh, you can use Pandora. Uh, I don't know if anyone does still. But I depend on playlists. Playlists are my goal. Did you know that? I don't know if you know this. Beloved has a playlist too. It's on Spotify. Uh, yeah, thank you, Will. Uh, I don't know who's going to keep it up anymore since Jonah stepped down, so if somebody wants to do that, come talk to me. Uh, but it's, it's got some good music there. But I mentioned this playlist idea because I was reading about the Psalms, reading through that, and uh, someone, an author wrote that the Psalms are like God's playlist. Um, because there's, there's a celebration playlist in the Psalms, a mourning or a lament playlist. There's a, there's a hope playlist. There's even a, this is Jesus playlist, because there are psalms that present and paint a picture of who our Savior is. And the goal of our series is to really dive into a couple of the different songs from these different playlists so that we can understand them better. So, today's psalm is coming from what I would call God's wisdom playlist. And one of the things over the last few years, really, um, a number of folks have asked, how can I pray for First of all, thank you very much for being willing to pray for me. The second is, I typically respond this way. I ask for uh, wisdom from God on how to pastor this church well. I do that every time for myself. I pray for wisdom every time I prepare a sermon. Because wisdom is so essential. And, and then you see today's passage. And it starts and it speaks to exactly the opposite of what I typically pray for. Foolishness. And as I was reading this poem over and over again, I felt that the right place for us to focus on today is unpacking how Scripture defines a fool versus the wise. We're going to start off by looking at the fool. Now, it is worth mentioning that uh, there's a passage in the New Testament, in Matthew chapter 5, the second half of verse 22. It does talk about the word fool. It says specifically there, Whoever says, you fool, will be subject to hellfire. 
Now, this verse is part of Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. And if you're not familiar with that uh, sermon, one of the basic ideas, tenets that Jesus highlights in that sermon is that the external act of sin uh, begins oftentimes with the internal act of intent, intention. So if we look at verse 21 and verse 22 together in Matthew, it says this, You've heard that it was said to our ancestors, Do not murder. And whoever murders will be subject to judgment. But I tell you, everyone who is angry with his brother or sister will be subject to judgment. Whoever insults his brother or sister will be subject to the court. Whoever says, you fool, will be subject to hellfire. So Jesus explains that that evil, it is not limited to, to action only or action alone. It also impacts, is based on the heart posture as well. And he says the same thing about adultery a few verses later in Matthew chapter 5. And in the same breath, between the description of murdering and committing adultery in your mind, Jesus explains that calling someone fool will result in being subject to hellfire. Being, being angry enough to call someone like a moron or an idiot is just as bad as wanting to kill them or commit adultery. See, Jesus is pointing out that God absolutely cares about one's actions, without a doubt. But he wants to emphasize that God simultaneously cares about one's heart. One thing to consider is this. God's command to not murder, this command actually comes before he gives the Ten Commandments to Moses. God told this Noah. In Genesis chapter 9, verse 6, God told Noah, whoever sheds human blood by humans, his blood will be shed for God made humans in his image. See, he's explaining we cannot shed the blood of God's image bearers because we're made in God's image. And we cannot besmirch image bearers of God by thinking of them as fools, as, as worthless. To call someone a fool is tantamount to calling God a fool. Because we are made in his image. But at the same time, fools exist. Verse 1. The fool says in his heart, there's no God. Now based on the psalm, this psalm, it does sound like the fools of this world are people who might call themselves atheists. Right? Anyone who rejects the fact that we are image bearers of the creator and the king of kings because they don't believe that there is a creator, or that there is a king of kings. A little bit of a tangent. As, as I was preparing for today, I was reading a research by Pew, Pew Research. They did a survey back in 2021, and they found that the number of people that do not associate with any religion or faith at all has nearly doubled since 2007. In 2007, 16% of people surveyed said they don't ascribe to any religion or faith, right? But in 2021 that number grew to nearly 30%. The number of Christians, and Pew Research included groups that I would not necessarily include myself, but regardless, the number of self-identified Christians uh, has gone from nearly 80% in 2007 to 63% in 2021. It has nothing at all to do with today's message. I just found it fascinating. Uh, that, so I, I thought I should, sorry. Let's go back to the actual message. So if the definition of a fool is someone that doesn't believe that there is a God in whose image we have been created, 
I have a feeling, my gut tells me that many people in this room, or so those who are listening online because it's just raining too hard to get out of the house, you're probably thinking that you're pretty safe, right? Because it's highly unlikely that you would dedicate over an hour, hour and a half of your precious time to sit here and listen to me preach about God, sing songs about God if you didn't think there was a God and if you didn't think God was listening, right? But before you get too comfortable, I think it's necessary to get a better or bigger understanding of fool, the word fool, and to include those who practice practical atheism. And some of you may be asking, what is a, what is a practical atheist? And Jesus defines it in Matthew chapter 15, verse 8 and 9. He's talking about the Pharisees and the scribes from Jerusalem. He says this, This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. They worship me in vain, teaching as doctrines human men. See, atheism believes that there is no God. Practical atheism doesn't care if there's God. See, a practical atheist doesn't have a desire to seek out God's will. A practical atheist does not have a desire to seek out God's grace, God's mercy. A practical atheist doesn't care about worshiping God. A practical atheist doesn't care about communing with God, about drawing near to God, <coughs> about spending time with God in prayer or devotion. <coughs> when I um, started going to school, college, uh, my dad's church, my dad used to be a pastor here, uh, in Chicago a while back. He's in New York now. He's retired, like me. Um, but anyway, my, when I was in college, my dad's church imploded. And they had a really nasty split. And I experienced some, a little trauma myself as I felt like those I had trusted, those I'd grown up with, they suddenly were all turning their backs on me and my family. Now, I don't think I ever stopped uh, believing God existed, I just didn't care anymore. Because it was more important for me to focus on me, to enjoy my life. Because obviously trying to live a godly one just wasn't working out for me. Fortunately, that means that much of my latter teen years, my 20s, were Ubar. Ubar, if you don't know, it's a military term that means effed up beyond all recognition, FYI. You can use it anytime you want. There, there are a lot of gaps in my memory from those days. Some of them were self-induced because I was such a fool at that time. I was a practical atheist because it didn't matter to me whether I believed in God or not. Because here's the thing. The rest of verse 1, it describes me to a T. It says, they are corrupt. That was me. They do vile deeds. Absolutely me. There is no one who does good. That was so me. The fool is someone who says or acts like there is no God. A fool is someone that takes the truth we know, that all are created in the image of God, whether male or female. I don't care whether you're straight, gay, trans, whether you're Asian or Caucasian, whether you're South American or African American. A fool is someone who takes that truth, that we are image bearers of God, and says that the original image that we are bearing, that God doesn't matter. A fool is corrupt in thoughts and in action because they put themselves above God. See, the insidiousness of foolishness, as Scripture defines it, I think is this. The foolishness of a fool 
it may not be overt. It may not be blatant. You may not ever notice it. See, the foolishness of a fool, it might not appear corrupt or vile, at least not by the world's standards, so we don't necessarily see it ourselves. See, a fool might be, in a good way, actively involved in things like supporting good causes like Doctors Without Borders, UNICEF, the World Wildlife Fund, NPR, Save the Turtles, or whatever else that might be there. These are good things to support, and so don't get me wrong, these do not make you a fool. It's when a person considers the image bearer of God as more important than God, that's when one becomes a fool. It's about who becomes or what becomes the priority for you. See, when what the world thinks should be a priority becomes your priority, that's when you become a fool. When your job, uh, making money, becomes your priority, that's when you become a fool. When your family, as much as you love your kids, when that becomes your priority, that's when you become a fool. When it's more important to finish Bible study so you can go out to Soundbar or Tau or Prism, when it's, when it's more important to buy those really expensive Taylor Swift or Blackpink tickets, then that's too far. Um, sorry, that's too close to home. <clears throat> Listen, my point is not that you should not or you cannot enjoy the life you You absolutely, you should. Um, see, we're here in this place, in this world, at this time for a purpose and for a reason. I am not trying to be a killjoy at all. I, I mean, we enjoy, Suzette and I, we went to watch Harmony. Uh, she's doing a musical play at the Looking Glass Theater. That was so much fun. We enjoy those things. I, we went to watch Elemental yesterday at a movie theater. We paid money for it. This is a good thing. I sometimes actually like to stay home, watch Netflix, and chill. Really, literally, Netflix and chill. God's given us these things, so we should enjoy them. Please enjoy these things in your life. My point is this. Are we, you and I, in the midst of all of this, are we living out our faith? Or are we living as we have Is there a difference between the life that you live and the life God desires for you to live? Because the fool says in their heart, there's no God. The fool acts through their lives as if there is no God. Opal, uh, sorry I didn't warn you. I think you'll be okay with this. But she has this concept that I love. She has her BC or before Christ opal. And then there's the, I don't know what you call it, the AC, WC, with, with Christ opal, whatever it is. For me, I have a DCA, um, a don't care, uh, don't care about Christ, a, when I was absolutely a fool. Now I want to be, I want to be wise. I want to be a, I, in Christ, Abe, in I see Abe, or icky, Abe. And we're going to look at what it means to be icky by considering what it means to be wise in the eyes of God. Now, the first thing I want to do before we do dive too deep into that is define what I mean by wise or wisdom, because I want us all to be working from the same page here. Uh, I was looking up online, Merriam-Webster, um, defines wisdom this way. It says the ability to discern inner qualities and relationships, to use good sense or accumulated learning, to discern a wise attitude or course of action. See, the goal of wisdom is to be able to use facts, use contextual or situational insights, use tenacity to attain happiness, to attain contentment through wise decisions and actions, right? 
Now, from a Christian perspective, I would say that wisdom is, the, is similar. It's the ability to discern with good sense, with situational awareness, with accumulated learning, and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Having the ability to discern the will of God in a situation so that you can find shalom, which is joy, peace, contentment. Wisdom is knowing what God has called you to do and then giving you the tenacity. And from today's psalm, what I want to do is I want to point out just a couple ways, two ways that I see. There's so many more, but today we're just going to get to of how to become wise. And the very first one is in verse 2. The Lord looks down from heaven on the human race to see if there is one who is wise, one who seeks God. Wisdom comes from seeking God. Pretty straightforward. In Proverbs chapter 1, verse 7, it tells us how to start that process, how to start seeking God. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge. Fools despise wisdom. Now, to be clear, when the Bible tells us to fear God, it's not the same thing as being afraid of God. Right? It means that we must be in awe of God. To fear God is to realize you know, what it says, what we read last week in Psalm 19, verse 1. It says, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the expanse proclaims the work of His hand. To realize God is awesome. The late Tim Keller, he put it this way. This is what he wrote. He said, fear is not fright, but awe and wonder. Fear and trembling, the combination of humility and joy that keeps us from the foolishness of either being wise in our own eyes or of being unrealistically self-loathing. The gospel is the greatest source of the humble boldness that creates. Now, I want to go to De- Deuteronomy chapter 10, verse 12 to 13. Here, Moses is explaining what fearing God should look like. Give me a little more clarity. He says, And now, Israel, what does the Lord your God ask of you except to fear the Lord your God by walking in his way? To love him and to worship the Lord your God with all your heart and all your soul. Keep the Lord's command and statute. I'm giving you it today for your own good. See, a wise person understands that wisdom comes when we know that God is there. Wisdom comes when we obey our call to live like He is here, right now in our lives. Wisdom comes when we live like we are the beloved of God because of Christ alone. Wisdom comes when we fear God. And to fear God is to be in awe. And when we live in awe of God, our only recourse must be to seek to draw nearer to God by living the life He designed, by living the life He desires of us. That's what it means to seek God. I'll tell you, the hope and the vision for Church of the Beloved, we want to be a church where disciples make disciples. Right? And so this challenge to seek wisdom by seeking God is not something anyone here should be doing on their own. I beg you not to do it on your own because this call is something that we want to be doing together. Uh, Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12 to 14. Let me read it. It says, Watch out, brothers and sisters, so that there won't be in any of you an evil, unbelieving heart that turns away 
from the living God, but encourage each other daily while it's still called today, that none of you is hardened by sin's deception. For we have become participants. Another word is uh, partners. We have become participants in Christ if we hold firmly until the end the reality that we had at the start. So you don't have to be, I'll tell you, in an official discipling program or discipling relationship to be a disciple or to be discipled. Though it helps if you would like but our call is, as beloved sisters and brothers, our call is to grow in our knowledge of God and in his character so that we can live and we can love as Christ lives and as Christ loves. Let's do it together. See, our call as a church is to encourage each other. When you see your sister and your brother living and loving as Christ loves by Doing things like leading us in praise, like Tom did today. By encouraging each other, when you see your sister and brother creating a church that welcomes all those who come here to worship God, like Shelby and Adam were doing this morning. By encouraging each other, when you see your sister and your brother teaching our beloved kids about the Jesus we love, because I'm never going to be able to do that. Kids don't like me. We disciple each other by encouraging each other. When you see each other doing all these things, and we also disciple each other when we see our sisters and our brothers struggle. We disciple each other when we see them suffering through hurt and trauma. We disciple each other when we see them making decisions that pull us sometimes away from our Father in heaven. We disciple each other when each of us walk with our sisters and our brothers through hard times, helping them to see, helping them to seek God. And together, we seek wisdom by seeking God. That's what we want to do. Now the second way this psalm encourages us to become wise is simply by being righteous. In verse 5, it says this, Then they will be filled with dread, for God is with those who are righteous. Now to be righteous literally means to be the one who's right. And the only one that is good, the only one that is truly righteous and is always right is God. So how would any of us ever be righteous if that's the case? Here's where Christ, here's where the gospel that he brought comes into the picture. In 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He made the one who did not know sin, this is Jesus, to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of I tell you, there was, there was and there is nothing that we can do, no matter how hard we try to be righteous. But Jesus did it for us. And by accepting the gift of redemption, of salvation offered to us by Jesus' death on the cross for our sake, accepting that gift, it allows us to take on Christ's righteousness as our own. So we become wise by seeking to be made righteous. And we seek to be made righteous when we allow that transformative work of Christ to take over who we are. Because wisdom comes when we allow God, through the work of His Holy Spirit, to transform us into His beloved children. When we allow Christ alone to make us right. There's a passage in James that I'd like to read. James chapter 3, 13 to 18. It says this, 
starting with verse 13. Who among you is wise? Understand. By his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast in the Such wisdom does not come down from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice. But the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, pliant, full of mercy and good fruit, unwavering, without pretense. And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate. This is written by James, Jesus' half-brother. And he's pointing out that there are basically two types of wisdom that he wants to show the world, which is one, true wisdom, a wisdom that will allow us to know what God wants us to do and give us the ability to do it. This type of wisdom, it leads to peace and is pure. But then the other type of wisdom, what I'll call false wisdom, it comes from below or from ourselves. And according to James, it leads to disorder, every evil. Now, both types of wisdom, they use knowledge, they use discernment, they use tenacity. But one comes from the one who is always right, God. The other comes from the one that's not always right, ourselves, the world. In 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18 to 23, there's actually further clarification of the difference between these two types of wisdom. It says, let no one deceive himself. If anyone among you thinks he's wise in this age, let him become a fool so that he can become wise. For the wisdom of this world is foolishness with God. Since it's written, he catches the wise in their craftiness. And again, the Lord knows that the reasonings of the wise are futile. So let no one boast in human leaders for everything is yours. Whether Paul or Apollos or, or Cephas or the world, or life, or death, or things present, or things to come, everything is yours. And you belong to Christ, and Christ belongs to God. See, Jesus is explaining, telling us not to call people fools. Earlier we read that. Not to disparage the image bearers of God. But he doesn't deny that there are fools in this world. Fools who decide to live life as if there is no God. To prioritize self over the Savior. So let the world, let the world consider us foolish because we're going to decide that it's more important to be seen as fools by the world than as fools by God. See, I'm going to say, let the world consider us foolish by seeking God's wisdom, by seeking God. By seeking God's wisdom, by being covered by Christ's righteousness. See, that's what today's psalm is trying to remind us. Because the fool does say in their hearts, there's no God. At the end of the psalm, it does remind us that the Lord is going to restore His love, His wise one. And so we can rejoice. And we can be glad. That is today's Wisdom Playlist song. Psalm.
Thanks for tuning into this week's COTB Sermon Podcast. For more info or to connect with us online, you can find us at cotb.life.